Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. Today is Tuesday, and on Tuesday, as many of you know, this is the day that we do the show from the pulpit to the couch where you will receive biblical teachings as well as receive information from myself, Jeanette Abney, a licensed marriage and family therapist. Now, I want to first thank my Heavenly Father for blessing me and waking me up this morning. I want to thank God for giving me the activities of my limbs and making sure that I am in my right mind. Even though I may be forgetting stuff from time to time, I am still in my right mind. Now, with today's show, Today's show is a topic that is very sensitive to a lot of individuals, and I understand why. Because it appears that many are experiencing the death of too many loved ones. It seems like for some reason 2020 has been the year where individuals are just passing away at an enormous rate. When Kobe Bryant passed away, it opened the eyes to a lot of individuals in regards to the impact of the passing of someone that they cared for. And that doesn't mean that individuals, when they lose their mother or their fathers or their siblings or their children, that it's not hurtful. But it just, for some reason, opened up the eyes to a lot of individuals, especially as it relates to the mental health part with death and dying when someone died of a tragic death. Now, now we have COVID going on. We still have cancer out there lingering around. We still have individuals dying of congestive heart failure, of other different types of illnesses. We still got people being murdered, whether by the police or even if it's crime, I mean, black on black crime or whatever the case may be. People are dying, whether it be children, whether it be teens. Let's not minimize that suicide is still on the rise. But when we talk about death and dying, it can be considered two different things. But individuals are still leaving this earth. And such can have an impact on others, as well as, like I said, affects one's mental health, but also their emotional health. Now, grieving and mourning may vary from person to person. And there are individuals that are also having symptoms of what we call survival guilt. And as a therapist, I'm even seeing that with some individuals as I'm screening phone calls of individuals that have said that they have been hospitalized with COVID and were next to individuals that were in the hospital crying for their families, crying for their loved ones, mothers dying, fathers dying, and yet they're grieving their own demise before they're even transitioning. Now, with the passing of so many individuals occurring at such an enormous rate, how are you functioning out there? And what does the Bible say about death? I want to talk about it because I want to hear what you have to say. Now, if you know that of someone that could probably benefit from this show, share it. Have them subscribe. Tell them to just click on the link. Even though I am on live on Mondays at 12 p.m. and Pacific and Tuesdays at 11.30 a.m. Pacific, you can listen to the show at any time by either clicking on a link or by either Googling my name at Jeanette Abney Podcast 2020, and you can listen to 
prior episodes also. Because I put this platform out here so that individuals can share with others and that they can learn something and they can also give them the first step of some type of therapeutic service or even having someone spiritual place something into their heart. So I want you to know that, and if you have any topics or any subjects that you would like for me to discuss, you can always email me at preciouspredicaments at gmail.com or Jeanette Abney, LMFT at gmail.com. And I would love to talk about some of the things that you want to hear because I do appreciate you. Now, I'm waiting on some individuals to join me on the show if they want to share, because like I said, as I look through my Facebook feed, my Twitter feed, my, you know, even LinkedIn feed, I'm seeing that so many individuals are transitioning. And, you know, we try to give people and say, you know, I give you my condolences and I'm sorry to hear about so-and-so and so-and-so. But it's getting to the point to where we're hearing it so much, it kind of makes me question, are we becoming numb? Are we becoming desensitized as it results to death and the passing of someone? When we start talking about grief, individuals grieve differently. And a lot of times people feel that people are watching them or I not doing it or what am I doing? Am I slipping into depression? Sometimes with children, if they experience the, the death or the passing of a, of a family member, especially a parent, sometimes they may experience anxiety because they are afraid that, you know, the other family member is not going to come home. So there's just so much going on, so much going on. Now, I'm looking at some information, and I'm just going, just basically just Googling. And even when we start talking about just um, just death and dying, just, just period, when we start talking about death, we know that when individuals die, that there's no coming back. And it's kind of like, what do that mean? Now, death is the end of life, meaning we were all born and we will all pass meaning we all were born to die. You know, I've always said it, and I remember hearing my pastor say it once before about that dash in the middle when we have the year we were born and the year we were passed, and it's like, what did you do within that time? Whether it was a day, whether it was nine, 99 years, what did you do? So with death being the end of life, dying is the process of approaching death including the choices and actions involved in that process. Now, death has always been a central concern of anyone, of a lot of individuals, because we don't really know. I mean, I remember being a, a, a kid and watching cartoons. And the weird thing about watching cartoons, we would watch people die, they come back. You know, a lot of times individuals become fixated in a lot of these shows and movies. And I don't like watching scary movies. I don't because I tell people it makes me have nightmares. So I try to stay away from that. Now, I want to give you some information, and it talks about what are the seven stages of dying. And these seven stages basically include shock and denial. That is a stage of disbelief and numbed feelings. 
Now, what brought me to doing this topic today, because I've been wanting to talk about it, even in regards to an individual say, I, my condolences or, you know, because it's like now, what do you say to individuals? What are you supposed to say to individuals? What are they feeling? How are they feeling? Because it seems like they don't even have the chance to grieve one person before, boom, they look up and they're hearing about something else. I was just in Compton yesterday before I got ready to even put the stuff together for the show, and my sister called me and texted me and told me about a one of her classmates from um, Oceanside High School, Tony Dunn, had passed away in a tragic car accident. And I was like, I remember him. You know, and then I'm looking at Facebook, and I'm, I'm trying to text my friend. I'm like, okay, how did Artie's brother pass? What's going on? And he was like, he had an asthma attack. I'm like, we got car accidents, asthma attacks, COVID. You know, it's just cancer. It's just so much to where when we start looking at the shock and the denial, many of these family members are dead. That's the, one of the stages that they get stuck in. They're in this shock, and they're like, no, it cannot be. Then we also have what's called pain and guilt. When you're talking about the pain, people are crying, people are hurting, people are they're at a loss because it's a feeling that I tell people people don't want to feel. The hardest thing I tell individuals that I went through was I remember the death of my mother and watching my mother taking her last breath. And some individuals may not even realize, but some individuals can suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder when they watch someone pass away or deal with what's called a secondary trauma. You know, We have individuals going out there that are first responders and they're seeing these things and family members are watching their loved ones transition. That pain is a mess. And then the guilt that individuals go through when they start wondering, well, what did I do? Or could I have done something different? And, you know, they it's like, okay, what, what can I have done differently? Then you got the anger. The anger comes in a lot of different stages in regards to feelings of anger. Sometimes individuals want to act out. They want to hurt someone. Some individuals, they become angry, they want to drink, they want to use drugs, they want to, you know, they're trying to numb that feeling, but then they're dealing with that pain and that emotion, which is the anger that they're dealing with, and then you the bargaining. Lord, if you just let them live, Lord, if I could see them again, you're trying to make a deal. Individuals have, they go through depression, and in some cases, anxiety. There's what's considered the the upward um they call it the upward, I don't want to say turnaround, but it's, a, it's something kind of when you're going through something and you have this, this feeling of when you're going through this, this I, I mean, I can't even, I'm trying my best to even, even get it out as I'm even trying to, to do the show in regards to the, um, the stage and talking about this upward turn. And at this point, the stage of grief, like anger and the pain have died down, but you're left in a more calm and relaxed state. And that's when individuals are like, okay, well, well, what's going on with that? Then you have what's called the reconstruction and working through. And that's when you begin to put back the pieces of your life and you try to um, get it together and carry forward and the acceptance and hope. And this is a very um, gradual acceptance of the new way of life and feeling possibility in the future. 
Now, what gets me, like I said, is when we start talking about that, and then as we're trying to get ready for the future, then boom, here we get, we get hit again. Or here comes another, somebody telling you that someone else has passed. And, you know, and it's like, oh, my God, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to handle this? And even when I did the show, and I don't really want to focus on this as much, and I indicated, is your house in order? Because we all know we're going to go through this. We all know that we're just here passing through. But by that same token, I'm finding that so many individuals are passing away and they have no life insurance. Some may not even have any health insurance. And then when they have to go to the hospital, their family is being left with that bill. And somebody got to pay that bill. So one of the things is we have to get our life in order and our house in order, and we have to take responsibility for some things. I tell individuals, so many people I've heard them say, well, I don't want to get no big old life insurance policy. You know, we was um, heard recently, I think it's the, the movie with Sweetie Pie, where the nephew took out this big old insurance policy on the nephew and and had him killed and people are doing things for their own financial gain and people say, well, I'm not going to die and leave somebody else rich. It's not about that. And those that do those type of things or commit those type of fraud and crimes, you know what? God says vengeance is mine. And they got to deal with their their, um, heavenly father or their maker for their behavior. But by that same token, it bothers me when I see individuals doing a GoFundMe or standing on the side of the freeway or the side of the highway or the street trying to connect, uh, collect donations in order to bury their loved ones. And I tell individuals, even if you don't want to have a huge life insurance policy, get something just to make sure that you can, your funeral can be paid for or get a prepaid burial plan. And this is not me trying to advertise for any particular company because I learned at a young age, I believe I was 10 years old when one of my uncles was murdered. He was only 25 years old, and my family wasn't expecting that. And my mother and them had to borrow off their houses. My grandmother had, I believe, a $500 policy, and that wasn't even enough to pay for a casket, and that was even back in the 70s. So I watched my family struggle and try to bury my uncle and then had to go through another death of another uncle. And I'm watching my grandmother trying to figure out how is she processing losing two sons. So I started experiencing the loss of family members at a very, very young age. And my daughter used to tease me because she said I had a, a photo album full of individuals, obituaries, and people that had passed away. But when we start talking about even dealing with that, I have some information that I first want to share with you because I want to talk about coping with first the depression after the death of a loved one. Like I said, my name is Jeanette Abney. I am a licensed therapist. And when we start talking about depression, even though depression is considered more of a mental health issue, the problem is with for some individuals, depression can be an intense grief after the death of a loved one, and it can lead to depression or underlying or making the underlying depression symptoms worse. So I want to talk about that a little bit because a lot of times other individuals really don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. And a lot of times individuals don't even know how to express what they're going through. I remember even being a kid and watching individuals um, dealing with the death of a loved one at a funeral. And I used to wonder, like, this person looked like they drugged up or zombied out. 
where sometimes they'll go to the doctor or family members to give them medications. And I want to say and let people know it is illegal to give individuals your medication. So please do not be sharing your medications with other people. But I want to share you some information with you. And it's coming from what's called Healthline, and it talks about coping with depression after a loved one's death. And this was written by an individual. I'm looking for his name. It was medically reviewed by Timothy J. Legs, Ph.D., and it was written by Rachel Nall, MSN. And this was written a couple of years ago. And what she's talking about is what is depression. And there are many beautiful and uplifting things in life, but there is also loss. Losing a loved one can trigger intense feelings of grief. For some people, that grief can lead to depression or make the underlying depression worse, meaning that some individuals may have already had symptoms of depression prior to the loss of a loved one. Now, you can expect to grieve and feel sad after the loss, but prolonged feelings of sadness and hopelessness could mean that you have depression. Whether you're experiencing grief or depression or both, there are many approaches that can help you heal with time. Now, one of the things is that the differences between grief and depression, because everyone grieves differently. So if you're dealing with the loss of a loved one or you're trying to make funeral arrangements or you're preparing for the to make for the homecoming celebration of a loved one, whether, you know, you're going to do it via Zoom or I know when my friend Xavier passed away, we were only able to have 10 people at the funeral. And then I heard that the numbers went up to 40 and now I'm hearing 50. And then now in the news um, last night, I heard that they're opening up churches, but you can't have no more than either 10% of the the, um, congregation or either a hundred individuals in the church. So, Right now is a sad time for individuals to be celebrating because COVID is still out there and we don't want to be engaged in large gatherings with individuals. So we have to also be mindful of that. And with everyone grieving differently, some individuals may have symptoms that are similar to depression, such as withdrawal from social settings and intense feelings of sadness. However, there are very important differences between depression and grief. Now, one of the things is the Symptoms duration. Individuals with depression may feel sad almost all the time, but individuals when they're grieving often have symptoms that fluctuate or come in waves. And even when it's coming in waves, I want to say to individuals, sometimes individuals may want to talk about the person that passed, talk about their life, talk about and share some of their memories. And one of the things I want to say to some family members All we got to do is listen, because we don't know what that person is experiencing or what they are going through. So when we start talking about acceptance of support, individuals with depression often begin to isolate themselves and may even shun people, individuals, and individuals who are grieving may avoid vibrant social settings, but they often accept some support from loved ones. But what's important is the ability to function. Someone who is grieving may still be able to work or go to school or, you know, go about their day-to-day routines. They may even feel that participating in these activities may help occupy their mind. However, if one is clinically depressed, experiencing symptoms so severe that they are unable to go to work or do other important tasks. Now, 
when you talk about that, and even though grief can trigger, uh, can be a trigger for depression, but not for everyone who grieves will experience depression, I want to talk a little bit about complicated grief. Because we know that grief is normal. It's expected set of emotions that can occur after the loss of a loved one. However, some individuals can experience a more significant and long-lasting level of grief. This is known as complicated grief. And like I said, that is what concerns me because with individuals experiencing tragic news and death and passings of so many individuals, like back to back to back to back, to where individuals, it can be compounded or it can be considered complicated grief. Individuals can just be shutting down. Individuals can start trying, you know, questioning their mortality, trying to live life differently. I was watching our team on Facebook, people are apologizing, meaning if I said something or done something, they talk about how life is just too short. But one of the things, too, is when individuals are grieving is sometimes they can also act out. But I want to give you some information in regards to complicated grief. And like I said, even though grief is normal, the problem with this is with complicated grief, some individuals experience a more significant, long-lasting level of grief. And with that, they share some of the same symptoms of depression. It can also lead to depression or worsen the depression in someone who already have it. These are some of the symptoms of complicated grief. Meaning, if you see this in your parents because one of the other family members have transitioned or you see it in a friend, these are some of the things to look out for. The individual will have trouble thinking about anything other than their loved one's death. There's lasting longing for the deceased loved one. Difficulty accepting that your loved one is gone. Long-lasting bitterness over the loss, meaning a lot of individuals get so angry, they just be mad at the world because their loved one was taken away from them. Feelings as if your life no longer has meaning. Trouble trusting others. Difficulty remembering positive memories of the loved one and grieving that gets worse instead of better. And when we talk about how can it get worse, one of the things is individuals basically start slipping into depression, may start having suicidal thoughts, they may start engaging in risky behavior. So I want to let individuals know when it's time to go get some help. If you are having thoughts of suicide, you can call 911, you can call a crisis hotline, you can also Sign up, even even going online. Facebook have grief groups. There are support groups online where you can um, go through Zoom. So there is help and resources out there, but individuals have to be willing to go and get some help. Even if you have to call your doctor and tell your doctor what you're feeling, if they have to give you some type of medication, it may not be long-term, but at least it can help you get through. So one of the things you have to do is take care of yourself. Because taking care of yourself is not a selfish action when you're experiencing grief. It is part of the process that helps you feel better mentally and physically. By doing so, what you can do, exercise regularly, such as going for a walk, riding bicycles, 
um, exercising classes, but you got to do something. Make sure you're getting at least seven, eight hours of sleep every night. You can start exploring new skills, such as taking up cooking classes or developing new hobbies, calling, talking to friends, and as I mentioned earlier, joining some support groups. Those are just to name a few. Now, I kind of indicated when do you seek and go get some help. When to seek help, and it indicates the loss of a loved one is a life-changing event, and it can have a profound leave a profound hole in your heart or in your life. Call your doctor if the loss causes you to experience the following symptoms. Difficulty performing everyday activities, feeling guilty or blaming yourself for the loved one's death. I've seen that a lot, especially as a therapist. Individuals start blaming themselves, feeling guilty, the if I could have, would have, should have. If you're having feelings as if you have no purpose in life, and losing the desire to engage in social activities, wishing you had died as well is a problem, and feeling as if your life isn't worth living or you don't have your loved one anymore. So like I said, that's when it's time to get some help. Now, I want to share with the listeners, if you have thoughts of harming yourself, call 911 or have someone take you to the emergency room. You can also call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800 273 8255. Now, wait on some of my callers to call in. Now, I don't know if they just didn't like the topic or what the deal is in regards to that. But if you want to call in, if you want to share what you're doing to get through, or if you just even want to process something with me, like I said, I am a therapist. I am a grief counselor. I do a lot of work with working with individuals that are either, even if they have a terminal illness, and they are processing and dealing with that. I do work in that area as well as working with family members and loved ones. You can give me a call at 516-387-1914. Now, considering that, like I said earlier, today is Tuesday, and on Tuesday is when we do the show from the pulpit to the couch, I wanted to know kind of and tie this in into what does the Bible Speak on when it talks about death. So give me a minute as I research this question because I'm not a biblical scholar, and that's why I like to have individuals call in to speak on things. Because one of the things that I did when I was preparing for the show, at first I started to talk about condolences and what individuals offer their condolences. Because it's like, do you really want to hear that? I know when my mother passed away, I was kind of numb. I don't remember what people said to me. I, I really don't. All I remember is her taking her last breath and watching them zip her body up in that bag and put her in that vehicle to take her away. And her body being on that table as I bullied my daughter, my sister, and made her put my mother's makeup on to prepare her and get her dressed before her funeral. That's really all I remember. So in regards to emotions, it was kind of weird, but I knew that she was transitioning. But I want to tell you what the Bible says or what's in the Bible as it relates to death and dying. Now, with John 14, 1 to 3, it indicates, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my house 
my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And it's interesting because that is a scripture that we often hear quite a bit at funeral services. And I never really dove into the true meaning of that. And I know that we're talking about with Jesus dying on the cross, going to be with his father and um, dying for our sins. And when we start talking about death and dying now, oh God, last I can say, I don't even want to mispronounce the word because my mouth is dry and I need some water and I didn't bring it in here with me. But in chapter 12, seven, it talks about, and the dust returned to the earth as it was. And the spirits return to God who gave it. A lot of times we always say, and I've heard it say, we just pass him through. And sometimes the memories, the, the, I believe in that spirit, that spirit still lives. Because I know, and I tell individuals, when I get in my moments, I go to Compton, I go to my childhood home. It's like my mother's spirit is still there. It's like time hadn't even passed. And, you know, and, and like I said, people grieve differently. They believe differently. But when we start talking about the spirits that we know that God is a spirit, when we start talking about individuals transitioning and people always say, well, you get to see him again. And like I said, sometimes people really don't want to hear that, but it goes back to you, you being a believer and what do you believe? And my concern as a therapist is just don't slip into mental health issues. And if you already have mental health issues, get you some help. Don't act out. I also want to read to you with John eleven twenty five. It says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whosoever believe in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And I really hope that some pastors call in today because I really want them to explain that. Also in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that kind of takes me to when we start talking about the believers and the non-believers. For the believers, even though I know that people don't want to leave, and sometimes they say, I'm waiting to go to heaven, no matter what your religious belief is. It's just like, you know, you're transitioning, you're passing through. I tell people, I'm not afraid of death. I'm just at a point right now, I just want to live long enough just to see my grandkids get grown. Just just let me see them become an adult, and I'm not going to bargain with God and all that other stuff later. But I just want to make sure that I have the ability to just be here, to just witness and to be here and to guide them because I know that they're going to need some help, but I'm praying and I'm keeping them under this covenant that they're going to be okay. Now. In Luke 23, 43, and he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, there's quite a few scriptures, even when it goes into Matthew 10, 28, it says, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both souls and the body in hell. And then we have Daniel 12, 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to 
everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. One of the things, and I spoke on it before, I remember being a member of Friendly Church of God in Christ with Pastor Hammond. He used to always say, I, have, I don't have a heaven or hell to put nobody in. And that is so true. But when I said earlier, is your house in order? Are you living the way you know you should be living? Are you living a Christ-like life? Are you doing the things that you're supposed to do? Are you carrying a lot of malice and strife and anger, bitterness? Because if you are, it's not, that stuff alone can eat you up and also cause death. Because it, it, people, we got so many people that are walking on this earth every day that feel like they're just dead inside because they feel that they have no hope. They don't know who to trust. They don't believe in anything or anyone. So we got to go back to living. We got to go back to feeling. I want to read this one, and it's in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes. We are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Now, those are just some powerful, powerful scriptures. And even, I said I want to go say, read no more, but I got to read this one in Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the formal things have passed away. Now, these are scriptures that are in the Bible that as it talk about what does the Bible say about death and dying. Now, as I'm looking and I'm getting some information, and it goes on to a lot of different things, and because even when we talk about what does the Bible say about death, it is a question that has crossed everyone's mind because death happens to everyone, regardless of age, race, gender, religion, or status. Death is the unconquerable foe that is taken over, like they talk about Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, and many other individuals. However, one of Jesus' most significant miracles recorded in the Bible was the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. And you know, I can truly say I've never been to a funeral where I've seen individuals um, go off and just say, Lord, please raise them, bring them back from the dead. Or, But I have heard stories where family members have wanted that because sometimes we don't want individuals to leave us or we look at it as a loss. And part of it, I want to say, may just be because sometimes it can be so unexpected and be tra- um, a tragedy. But when the Bible mentioned Lazarus had been dead for an entire period of four days, when Lazarus died, Jesus said, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he is asleep, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. And that's in John chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. So again, What does the Bible say about death? The Bible compares death to sleep more than 50 times. After death, we are asleep. 
we are unconscious. We are not aware of the passing of time or what is going on around us. That is what death is like as well. The Bible says, for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. Their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Now, in Psalms 146, verse 4, it makes sense that after Lazarus was raised from the dead, he doesn't share what he saw or experienced. He didn't have anything to tell except that once he was dead and now he is alive. Now, just on that scripture, just brought to my, my mind, and I want you to still keep in, in prayer my godbrother Delano Blackwell because I need to call his wife today to check on his status because from my understanding, he is still unconscious, and he's been unconscious for a month over a month, I believe, and I can't wait for him to come out of this so I can say, Delano, what happened? Delano, what were you dreaming about? Delano, what would you, you know, because being in that state of mind to where you look sleep, and um, he's still amongst the living, so, but I am concerned about what his quality of life is going to be because of what he's going through and his medical conditions even beforehand, but like I said, from my understanding today, he is still amongst the living. But when we start talking about that sleep and wanting to know what did that person experience, you know, what was going on, when Lazarus was raised, he didn't share what he saw or experienced. He didn't have anything to tell except that he was once dead and now he's alive. He didn't even experience hell or heaven. He was simply, simply sleeping in his tomb. Peter, on the day of the Pentecost, said the same to King David, men of brethren, Let me speak freely to you of the patriot David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us this day. For David did not ascend into the heaven, and that's in Acts 2.27. So when we start talking about, and this becomes a controversial topic, and um, if you are a pastor out there, give me a call at 516-387-387. 1914. Even if you are a deacon, even if you are a biblical scholar, give me a call because I want to know what your perspective is on this stuff and this information that I'm sharing. Because I'm looking at something and this information is coming from BibleInfo.com and it's talking about what happens to your soul when you die. And I asked that question of pastors, of a lot of individuals, and I've received different answers. Especially it depends on individuals, whether they're Baptist preachers, whether they're Jehovah Witnesses, whether they're um, Christians, Church of God in Christ. I've received several different perspectives. Now, based on the information I'm looking at now, it says what happens to your soul when you die. Many Christians think the soul as an immoral entity within us that goes on living after death. What does the Bible say? Describing the creation of human being in the beginning, the Bible says, and the Lord God formed man from dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and breath of life, and man became a living soul. And that's in Genesis 2-7. Other Bible translations say, and man became a living being. But God did not put a soul into man. He formed the body from the dust of the ground, and then he breathed his life-giving spirit into the lifeless body, and the result was a soul or a living being. 
When a person dies, the reverse takes place. The breath of life departs from the body and the soul no longer exists. That's what the Bible says. The dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Now, I struggle with that because when we started talking about the spirits and, you know, and, and the memories, I don't know if it's the memories, I don't know what it is, but a lot of times when people have passed, I've had people come to me in my dreams. Sometimes they, I know it's them, but sometimes the dreams just don't make any sense. They don't add up. So it, that's why I always question the spirit part because sometimes it seems like it's still, they, they still with you. And some people have said, well, they're still in your heart. Now, when we started talking about with the spirit and at the resurrection, God reunites the body of his living spirit and the person lives again. If the soul existed as a separate entity that lived on after we died, that would mean we have immorality. However, the Bible says human beings do not have immorality. Only God is immortal. Now, when we see in Timothy six fifteen through 16, Paul says that the righteous seek for glory, honor, and immorality in Romans 2, 7. If we had immortal souls, why would the righteous seek after something they already have? I'm like, wow. Now, this goes on to... And I've seen shows where they've had shows. They don't have it on anymore, at least I don't think, Life After Death. And they had all of these supernatural um, shows talking about what happens. But is there life after death? Though we may die, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And John eleven twenty five, will receive immorality. And when Jesus come again... And for in Corinthians 15, 51 to 54, the Bible says that all those who have died, both righteous and wicked, will be raised to life. One of the two resurrections, the righteous will be raised to life at Jesus' second coming. For the Lord himself will descend from the heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And that the dead in Christ will rise first, and first Thessalonians. According to this verse, the righteous do not go to heaven when they die. <laughs> they remain asleep in the grave until Jesus returns and raises them to immortal life. And that's in First Corinthians 15 through 50. The wicked are raised to life in a separate resurrection, the resurrection of condemnation, Jesus said. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. And that's in John 8, 20, I'm sorry, 5, 28. Now, that kind of goes into what have you done with your life? Now, with the information that I'm getting and gathering from Bible info, the prophets never mentioned in the Bible that the righteous immediately go to heaven or the wicked go to hell when they die. Neither did Jesus and his apostles teach it. When Jesus was about to leave his disciples, he did not tell them 
they would soon come to him. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not, I would go, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may also be also in John's 14, one through three. When he returns, our loved ones asleep in Christ will awake from their tombs, no matter how long the time has passed, be it long or short, it will seem but a moment to them. By the voice of Jesus, they are called forth from their deep slumber. They will begin to think just where they cease awakening to the glorious immorality. Now, as I'm going through this information, I'm like, wow. Now I'm even more confused than what I was before. So I want to look at some information. I'm going to go to my Facebook and see if anyone has any questions or any comments in regards to the information because like as I'm going through this information, I'm finding it to be very, very powerful. And yet, like I said, I wanted individuals to call in so that we can talk about this. It's just so much going on. And even on my Facebook page, I'm looking at something and it says, please keep my mother in prayer. Um, she's admitted to hospice on Saturday. We're praying and hoping for a miracle, giving the glory to God. Now, this young man, and he's one of my Facebook friends, his name is Rodney Taylor, and his mother, Margaret Taylor Martin, has just been admitted to hospice. And when we start talking about these things, part of this, even when individuals, and then we talked about dying being a transition, is making sure individuals have an idea of what resources are available. Understanding the grief process, being prepared for this so you're not being taken advantage of if your loved one do pass away and you have to make these funeral arrangements because it's sad because that's, the funeral is, industry is a business. And if you're going to this unknowing a lot of times they know that you're grieving, and sometimes you can be overpriced for things. So you've got to make sure that you're still able to function and you're still able to make sure that you have to also take care of business and also make sure that you're doing the right things by your loved one. And even though, like I said, when it comes into a shop. Now, we know that God is a forgiving God. We know that God can do all things but when we start talking about even praying for our loved ones, it's kind of like, is it, in God's, is it in God's will? Because God's will will be done. Now, I'm looking at not only just that, I'm, I'm looking at so many different um, Facebook postings of individuals who um, loved ones are, are going through or loved ones just passed away or loved ones, like I said, are in a hospital. And it's just so much, so much going on. Like I said earlier, a lot of times individuals are not even having the ability to grieve one, the loss of one family member, and then boom, back to back, you got another family member that you just learned that has just um, just passed or is going through. And like I said, and, and people grieve differently. So like I said, I'm just going through my news my Facebook feed just to see if anybody have any questions. 
I'm looking at some information of people. Oh, my, I mean, a little girl passed that long ago. So it's just so, so much. And like I said, if you have any questions and you want to talk about it, give me a call at 516-387-1914. I guess this topic was kind of hard for some of my lawyer call, loyal callers because I haven't heard from them. And a few of them, like I said, I know have lost family members or, you know, have had things happen tragic, um, happen in their home or within their family. And that was why I did want to hear from them. But for whatever reason, they didn't get a chance to call. And, and I respect that. So I'm going through some information and just to see because I do want to hear what individuals have to say out there. And in addition to this, I also want to make sure I let people know, almost time to vote. Don't forget to vote. Don't forget to register to vote, because this is going to be a very important election this year. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I strongly advise you to let your your voice be heard and take into consideration like I was talking to my daughter the other day or somebody was saying that people are talking about the candidates they like, they don't like. It doesn't matter. We will, we don't even know these individuals personally. But by that same token, we got to make sure that we do the right thing and we do our part. A lot of times people may say who they like and who they don't like and don't even know the person. I've heard people say they don't like me and don't even know me. So, you know, but we want to look at character. We want to look at morals. We want to look at what individuals are standing for, or what they're giving into. And we want to make sure that we're able to make our world a safe world because we got so much stuff going on, so much stuff. Now, I'm go just like I said, I'm just going through my news feed, and let me check something. Oh, oh, I'm looking at other stuff that my grandson was posting as he was trying to say his prayers before he went to bed the other night. And that's another thing, is when we're talking about death and dying, it's also having a sense of gratitude, our attitude about things, meaning how do we see the world today? How do we, how are we processing some of the stuff that we're even experiencing and going through? Because a lot of individuals are just stuck. A lot of individuals don't even know what to feel, how to feel, why they feel, they're dealing with so much emotional trauma to where they don't know what to do. And like I said, and this today would have been a platform to talk to someone, to get some help, to process how they're feeling and what they're going through. Like I said, when Kobe Bryant passed with his daughter, it took things to a whole nother level because that was tragic. And not only was it tragic, we was looking and grieving the loss of a woman who had just lost not only her husband, but also her child. And sometimes when you're looking at that, you know, you wouldn't want to wish that on nobody. Now, I'm looking at some information in regards to talking about condolences. For those individuals that we do know that have passed away, that we are... um in our in our family, it's like, what do you say? When we start talking about 
condolences. It is telling the person, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm, you know, that you're going through. Okay, looks like Michelle is joining us. Let me lock her on. Hello, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm hanging Hello. in there. How are you? I am well. Thank you for calling in because I'm getting tired of talking to myself and my mouth is getting dry. We're talking about death and dying today and with all of the stuff that's going on with individuals experiencing deaths and tragedies back to back. And, you know, I was talking to someone and he was sharing how, how he was dealing with what's called survivor's guilt because he was in the hospital with COVID for the third time and was listening to and, and noticing and watching people die next to him that were mothers and grandmothers and, you know, and the things that they were going through. And when we start talking about death and dying, which death is, you know, what happens and dying is the transition people go through. And when people start talking about giving their condolences and, you know, a lot of the times individuals say, well, I'm sorry to hear about, or, and sometimes, and I know you experienced the passion of your husband. Sometimes Michelle, people don't even know what to say and nor do we even know what the person want to hear or that numbness that they're going through. So I'm going to ask you, considering that you recently became a widow, and with what's going on in the world today, how are you doing? Well, it's interesting you ask that question, yeah, because a lot of people, they do their condolences. But when my husband passed, you know, most of the people that came to the house um, did not, you know, they didn't, they just, you know, said they was really sad because he was such a great guy. Um, they don't know what to say. You know, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're feeling and all that stuff. But um, I have days where I'm fine, and I have other days. Like last night I woke up, and it was really strange. I woke up, and, I, and um, I'm sorry I didn't call him sooner. I was in another meeting. But um, I woke up, and I was having this dream. So I still am dreaming about him, and I'm thinking, and about, I just heard you say something about survivor guilt. And I'm like, I survived and he didn't. And, you know, um, even though, you know, I'm the one who's had medical issues, but he's never really had them until all that stuff happened to him where he fell and all that stuff. So you do feel kind of guilty, but I, I had a, a dream. What I do is I just, I don't know, I, I sometimes I listen to things and, you know, and tell myself that it's, you know, it's the way God it's not my number. It's, you know, it's, it's, I, we don't have control over it. Somebody else does. And, you know, um, it's sad. Um, but as far as, and then people that do come, sometimes they stop coming around. They stop calling you. Like, I noticed that a lot of people, because they don't know what to say. They don't know how to handle it. Even they have grieving, but they don't grieve for a long time. Or they don't know. You know, like, oh, she's a strong person. She'll make it, you know, because everybody, as you know, always thinks I'm such a strong person. They just don't see the other side of me. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, you know, and I was just talking and thinking about that today with people with the COVID. And, you know, they get sick and then other people get the COVID and then they get better. And but getting the COVID, did you say somebody got the COVID three times and survived? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, three times. But, you know, and, I, and you wonder, like, 
okay, why? Why does that, you know, or just like, you know, um, it, I don't know. So, you know, it, as far as I try to just tell myself, stay positive and, you know, think positive. But I have my days where I just go, okay, I'm going to, you know, i got to cry or I'm going to listen to. Um, in fact, I woke up at 1 o'clock in the morning like I was having a conversation. I know it sounds strange with my eyes. No. And, I know, I know. It don't sound strange. There was this because song, normally it, there was it happens this at 3 in the morning with me. Yeah, so at, at 1 o'clock in the morning I woke up, and I swear it was like it was real. And um, so I, I went on to YouTube, and I'm like, what is the name of that song? And we're listening to it. And I, I could hear us listening to it, and it, it's the other side of the mountain. And I was like, why is that playing? And it said, here is, are you familiar with it? No, I'm not. Okay, well, it, it starts out with, I don't know the whole, I can't remember the whole thing, but um, it starts out with, there was a girl, there was a boy, they did, they have, they have something about meeting and then kissing, and they didn't, mm-hmm. but then in the end, they had, they got together, but then they, they went away or something, and I was like, that is so weird, and then I couldn't go back to sleep until about three. Mhm. Wow. And you know, Michelle, because like I said, I I got a call from my sister, where one of her classmates, Tony Dunn, died in a tragic car accident. And um, I think she said he was either coming back from Arizona. He's married. One of his kids going to college, playing playing sports. Tony Dunn was an athlete in Oceanside, and his son was in the vehicle with him. But they, she told me it was a head-on collision where he died and the person that collided with him died, but the son survived. So, you know, and I know that people in the ocean side is going to be in an uproar about this, but it's just, it's it's crazy. Then I had a, a friend of mine, Artie, you know, they was at a funeral just last Thursday. He's taking pictures with his brother. And then three days, two, three days later, then he, he posted, my brother just died. I'm like, what the world? And in my neighborhood, it's like they've been going to funerals back to back to back to back to back. So I haven't even been going. I'm like, you know what? Half these people, I remember when we were kids. Uh, but when, when you start talking about your condolences, basically it is difficult to know how best to express your condolences to someone who recently bereaved. But bear in mind that simply making contact and showing that they're in your thoughts will be some comfort. Because there's a lot of things that you could say. There's a lot of things you want to say. Because sending your condolences means contacting someone who was recently um, bereaved or offering some words of comfort or sympathy for their loss. It is a way of acknowledging that you're grieving and showing that you care about them. There are infinite number of ways to write messages on condolences. And sometimes you want it to come from the heart. I know one of the things that I do, Michelle, I have a bad habit of when people pass away or when I'm talking to individuals, I try to make them laugh. I try to be, bring humor into things because when you laugh, it kind of takes away the sadness or, you know, you bring up memories of, of funny things, you know, because we know that everybody is going to pass. But Bonnet St. Tookie, we don't want it to make it be such a sad ordeal. We want it to, to people to know that we got to keep living. We want people to know that, you know, there is life, that we want them to know that, you know, be encouraged. Don't give up. 
because you don't want to go out stressing out and things of that nature. Now, Michelle, we only have a few seconds left on the show. I wanted to kind of go into the what to say, do's and the don'ts, but I'm going to leave that alone. Because, like I said, death and dying is two different things. And when individuals are dying, they're going through the process, whether it be hospice or, you know, the fact that they're in a hospital or things are happening right now. But what do you want the listeners to know from a, from a widow perspective? Because everybody's process is different. But what would you like for the listeners to know, Michelle? As it well, I mean, everybody has to process it differently. You're right. And um, in my situation, I processed it with my husband at home. I didn't. I wanted him to be in, you know, I didn't want him to be at the hospital and be alone and not know and, you know, not be there and stuff. So, but that, you know, you just have to try to, you just have, like, you know, go on, move on, and, but you've got to talk about your feelings and, you know, um, try to, what I did finally was, you know, I took everything down out of my house and I just repainted the whole inside and I redid my house and it made me feel better because I, I know memories are supposed to be good, which are good, but memories are in the past and to move forward, they say, you have to put the past in the past in order to move forward. So, you know, I mean, I guess you don't, don't forget the past, but try to move forward and, you know, be grateful with what you have and that you're still here. And then, you know, um, and under, try to understand why people, you know, process things differently, I guess. So right. I don't, that's all I can say is. But I have a question for you, Michelle, because I know that, the passing of your husband and the passing of your mother-in-law was not far apart. And I know, I I don't know if you remember back in 2017 when my father was murdered and then my son's father passed away with diabetes. And and I had like eight deaths in one month. And it was like, I I I was like, for real, eight people, three of them was all the same day. You know, what would you say to individuals that are experiencing these multiple incidents to where they're not even finished grieving with one, and then you got this one. I, somebody passed my record. I had a woman tell me she had eight deaths in like one month. I mean, not eight, she had twelve. She had twelve deaths. Well, so well, I, how, what I what I found that helps. I don't know if it's a, you know, is I listen, I I I exercise. I tell myself, mm-hmm. take care of yourself, because you know. You have to take care of yourself. Exercising gets the endorphins going. Meditation helps you relax. You know, find just some solitude, some place, and keep yourself, like, just, you know, do something for yourself. Take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something that's going to make you feel good. Like, I might want to get a massage. People are like, she's grieving and she's going to get a massage. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. trying to do things that make me feel better. You know, um, and if it's just like not answering the phone, you know, I'm not going to answer the phone. But I let people know I'm not going to answer the phone right now. I just don't want to talk, you know, and people respect that. Um, So, you know, on the other hand, if I don't need someone to talk to, I just call a person and say, listen, can I talk to you? I need to vent. And it happened this morning, and I had to vent on something. And so um, I did, but, you know, I mean, 
And some people take it personal and some people don't take it personal, and that's part of the problem. You've got to know if the person can listen to you without judging you. Correct. Uh, and one of the things that's interesting you said that, Michelle, and I commend you for that because, like you said, listening without judging, part of it is if a person tell you or you tell the person, hey, I just need a shoulder right now. I just need somebody to talk to. I just need someone to listen. And that's giving them the heads up. But you got to be careful with who you share that information with because, like you said, they may not know how to handle it. Like I was talking to my daughter. Sometimes people will start telling, well, you know, so, well, let me tell you about what happened to me. And, what, and you were like, look, that's not what I called you for, you know. So giving them no, the, the heads up. And, you know, and, the, and people – I actually said something the other day about my daughter, you know, my my daughter that I don't have anymore. And mm-hmm. um and and somebody said the person said to me, I said I was just wanting to them to listen and they're like, Are you still thinking about that? And I'm like, Of course. I mean, I just want you to listen. I don't need you to and then and, and the person said, You know, you need to move on. You're right, I need to move on, okay, but that doesn't mean that I don't want to talk about it. And uh-huh. um, you mean what would happen if you know if somebody came back and said, "Here, here's your daughter back after everything that happened?" And I said, "I don't know what I would do." Yeah. All right, so, Michelle. Yeah, I mean, everybody has to do what they have to do, but you know, but like you said, you start if you start talking to somebody about something, and then they say, "Well, this happened to me. That happened to me," because. You know, they don't know how to handle it. So sometimes that's a good distraction, though, you know, mm-hmm. to help the other person. And that's the way you share your pain. Like you understand they've gone there. You've gone through something. So I can listen to you and you can listen to me. And then that makes it sometimes that helps. Correct. You know, Correct. Uh, with a long, you're not judging the person. I mean, Correct. you know, and so what I'm it doesn't matter think- what the person died of. Correct. I'm hearing you say one of the things is just judgment. And let people be them. You know, sometimes you've got to give people the room to breathe. you got to give them room to process and go through what they're going through. And um, like I said, I wanted to do this show because I'm noticing that individuals are experiencing multiple deaths back to back to back. And how that can take and have an impact on people's psychological well-being their mental well-being, being children, you know, are not being allowed to grieve in some cases the passes of the parents. I saw something posted on Facebook where this one mother of six children was hospitalized with COVID and she died. Six kids without a mother. You know, so it's just a lot. It is really a lot. So I want to thank you listeners for listening, joining in, tuning in here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. Don't forget to click the subscribe button. If you click the subscribe button, you'll automatically be notified of when the show is being aired. I appreciate you. Michelle, I appreciate you calling in. Don't know what I'm going to talk about Monday, so we'll just see what, what, where, what pops into our spirit. So, again, thank you for joining us, Precious Predicaments. Until next week, remember, you got this. And again, if you're dealing with symptoms of depression or anxiety or um, post-traumatic stress disorder or some type of secondary trauma as an event of watching the death of someone or someone passing away, please reach out and get some help. If you are a first responder, you can utilize your EAP services. If not, 
you can call um, the back of your insurance card, and they can link you with a therapist. There's also what's considered, it's called better health, where they're doing online therapy with individuals that are not able to be seen face-to-face because most therapists are doing telehealth services. There's crisis hotlines out there. There's grief support groups out there where you can either even go onto Facebook and log on or join a grief support group as well as Google grief support groups, and they have them in your area. And they're also doing them, Michelle, via telehealth through Zoom or whatever platform they're using. Oh, really? Yes, there are. There are. There's some um, widow groups. There's a lot of um, support groups out there to just give some individuals someone to talk to, to connect with, so that they can go through this process. Okay? Yeah, it is, so good. Again, it is good. They need to talk to somebody. I mean, whether it's an individual. And I find for myself individual is better than the grief group. I tried the grief group, and, you know, um, because when you lose so many people, it's very hard. So mm-hmm. I appreciate your show and your topics, and I'm sorry I didn't get to call in sooner. And uh, I'll hopefully be on next Monday. Yes, I will. God willing, God give me the breath. I'll be here. Thank you very much for okay. joining. I appreciate you, and you take care. Bye-bye. Okay, you too. Bye.